Crossing family. If you're excited you came to church today, let me hear a whoop, whoop. Hey, I'm all right with that. It's a cold one. Glad you're here. I want to welcome all of our different locations, those of you watching online and inside. Speaking of which, online people, uh, God bless you. We've had some campus pastors reach out to me and say that there are some of you who started showing back up at our different locations and you took what I had to say in like the kind pastoral tone it was designed and you didn't get angry and become a keyboard warrior and God bless you. I also uh, want to welcome those of you who are here for the first time or the first time in a long time. And our hope and prayer today is simple. That something about the worship, the sermon, the interactions with people in the lobby, communion, would do something to draw you closer in your intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Before I get into the message, I do want to spend just a little bit of time in prayer. And this weekend, I just want to pray for teachers. I don't know uh, what your thoughts are on teachers. You know, I think that they're awesome. You might think that they have a really sweet gig and they get the summers off and you might, you know, be ignorant like that. And no, no matter where you're at on th that spectrum, uh, I know that there are teachers who are dealing with all kinds of hardship and all kinds of heartbreak. I know that sometimes they're teachers and sometimes they're guidance counselors, sometimes they're surrogate moms and dads, and sometimes they're cool aunts and funny uncles, and sometimes they're big sisters and big brothers, sometimes they're trauma specialists, um, sometimes, sometimes it's just really, really hard. And so what I want to do is I just uh, want to spend a little bit of time lifting them up, and then we'll jump into the message. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for the love that you've poured out on so many of us, and I'm also thankful for... Uh, the desire you've placed in some people's hearts to be teachers. Some of them, they are the ones who taught us how to read and how to write, and they're the ones who forced us to focus and learn to pay attention and develop uh, the muscles of patience. God, they're the ones who at times corrected us when we were going off the rails and brought us back. They were the ones that oftentimes might even be the most pastoral person in our life. And God, I know that they are dealing with all kinds of challenges and expectations and sometimes, if not all the time, dealing with limited resources. And so I just pray that you would give them your spirit of grace and peace and patience. God, that you would fill them up so that they could be poured out. I know that there are some of them who have probably already started to circle the last day of school and they've already started the countdown. But God, I pray that you would equip them with a renewed energy, a renewed excitement, that they would see the time between now and summer break as a strategic opportunity to motivate and change and point people to you through their example. In your name I pray, amen. Well, uh, just to recap, we are in a sermon series called There Has to Be a Place. And the very first week we talked about there has to be a place that makes Jesus' last words our first priority. And if you're a Jesus follower, you'll remember this, that uh, Jesus, right before he ascended into heaven, he came and said, listen, uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. And when we talk about disciples, this is the spiritual spectrum. Making disciples is just moving people from left to right. So there's people who need to start a relationship with Jesus, and there's people that need to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And we, our job is if you're a minus three is to help you get to a minus two. And if you're a 
plus three, we want to help move you to a plus four. And I want to say this just so that way it doesn't get confused and you guys are saying stuff that I didn't say. So I just want to be super clear. God loves absolutely everybody on this spiritual continuum. And our church loves everybody on this spiritual continuum and we will welcome every single person on this spiritual continuum. I don't want you thinking that God will love you more if you move from a minus two to a minus one. Or he will love you more if you move from a plus, four, plus three to a plus four. Because if you believe that, then you'd be tempted to think that when you, you, know, you go through a rough patch and you go from a plus four to a plus three, that he would love you less. That's not how it works. Uh, our movement this way is more about us loving God and being formed and fashioned into his likeness than it is about whether or not God loves you. Then we talked about there has to be a place that still believes that Jesus changes people, that this is not something that just happened in the past, but that at any moment in time, you could have a genuine encounter with God and his people, and it could change the trajectory of your life here on earth and in the life to come, that Jesus still changes people, that he makes people new. And then we said, there has to be a place that is committed to using their God-given gifts to serve the glorious mission of Jesus, that God has placed in every single one of us something that we can leverage to uh, accomplish his mission. And then last week we talked about there has to be a place that is committed to real biblical community, that we cannot live the life that God called us to alone and in isolation. Why are we doing this? Super simple. Because we wanna make this region, this one right here, the hardest place on planet Earth to get to hell from. And today, what I wanna talk to you about is there has to be a place that joyously gives to advance the mission. And there's some of you right now who are going, son of a gun, this is the week I brought my friend and of course this is the week we're talking about giving. I understand. And there's some of you who are going, man, we were just watching online and now we show up for church, does this guy just hate us? No, no, come here, okay? Uh, let me tell you this story. There's a guy by the name of Chad Goucher. He is a pastor in Arizona. In fact, Jerry just had the opportunity to preach at his church this past weekend at the refinery. And Chad Goucher tells this story. Their church was in a sermon series on giving, and he, like good pastors, was out in the lobby in between services, and a new couple walked in the doors of the church. And he had the same thought that you're thinking, which is, oh my goodness, of all the times for them to start coming to our church, they're coming on this one. And their church was doing a series. I'm just doing one sermon, okay? And so he's like, oh, all right. He gets up, preaches the sermon. He goes out the lobby, sees him walk out. He's like, okay. But next week they show back up. He's like, all right. Then the next week they show back up. Next week they show back up. But then at the end of the sermon series, uh, his assistant puts it on his calendar that this couple want to meet with him. He's like, oh, well, here it is. I mean, they showed up at our church four straight weeks, four straight weeks of giving. They're going, all this church cares about, you know, you've heard it. Sits down, they come in, they sit down. And the first question out of their mouth is this. Do you believe that our old pastor loved us? He said, what do you mean? She goes, well, in light of everything that the Bible says about it and all the blessings associated with it, how could our old pastor love us and not talk to us about it? So I know that some of you, you're gonna have job transfers and some of you, you know, you're gonna you know, go to a different church at a different point at some time in your life. 
And I just don't want to put you in that situation. I want to make sure that uh, God's counsel is on full display in your life and in this, uh, these moments that we have with one another. So that way you don't have to ever have to wonder, does Clayton love me? Because I do. Because here at the crossing, we believe that God's way is the best way. And this is in every area of your life, that there, God's way is the best way. That means when it comes to salvation, his way is the best way. When it comes to relationships, forgiveness, pain, worry, anxiety, work, sex, rest, and yes, even money, God's way is the best way. That in, when you look at your life, you would go, all right, I can do what I wanna do or I can do what God calls me to and this is like the universal belief of this church that God's way is always better. In fact, every single time, um, well, not every single time, that's not the right way to say it. Uh, every week, there comes a point where we call it landing the plane. I don't know if you guys know that that's what we call it, but we call it landing the plane. Like Jerry and I circle the runway for a little while, then all of a sudden we're like, we're moving to a time of decision. The landing gear comes out, everybody has to put their tray tables up. You guys have been there. And then campus pastors get up at their locations and they land the plane. Well, when I land the plane here, those of you uh, watching our different campuses, you don't hear me say this all that often. But I'll, I'll make this statement to our congregation. I'll be like, how many of you, how many of you would say that the very best decision that you ever made was making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life? A lot of people raise their hands. And then I make the second statement. How many of you would say that your biggest regret is that you didn't do it sooner? And like everybody keeps their hands up. Like there's not a whole lot of people like, I think I wish I'd have put it off. Like there's very few people like, well, actually, I was getting ready to have a pretty awesome party in Vegas, and then I found Jesus right before I went. So I, I really wish I'd have found Jesus after that Vegas trip because it would have been wild, you know, and really get some forgiveness. Nobody, nobody does that. And so we b believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life and that our life will be best if we live in accordance to it. And so what I want to do with you today is I want to just talk to you about this as if you were over at Jennifer Nice House sitting across the kitchen table from you and help you see this through uh, Jennifer and I's life and experience. So the way I kind of wrote this is why Jennifer and I give. And this is not a comprehensive list, but I figured you guys didn't want like a three-hour sermon, so I just decided I'll give you up seven. So first reason why Jennifer and I give is I believe that the Bible teaches it. There are many times in the Old Testament that reference and mention tithing. Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, for those of you who are thinking, hey, this is only an Old Testament promise, um, let me invite you over to the New Testament for a second. Matthew 23, 23 says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth, that's the word tithe, of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. So these guys, they go out into their garden and they pluck all of their mint. And they're like, one leaf for God, nine leaves for me. One, is, does mint come in leaves? I don't, I don't, that's not my area, okay? They are, they are going into, okay? But look what Jesus says. That's what you're doing. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Then check out what Jesus says. You should have practiced the latter, which is justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Everybody say this word. Without neglecting the former, tithing. Now, 
Uh, tithing means tenth. In the Old Testament, it means 10%. It was not just 10%, it was the first 10% or the first fruits. And they practiced giving to God before they gave to anything else. So if you were, um, you know, a cattle farmer and you had 10 pregnant cows, the very first baby cow, which is called a calf, you'd be like, that belongs to the Lord. And then the other nine baby calves, those are yours to take care of your family and navigate your business. If you were a, a cat farmer and um, your cat had 10 cats, nobody would care, right? Like no, but so uh, here's how this works, that you give God your first, some of you guys are cat lovers, and you're like fine with the sermon on giving, but the cat joke, too far. That is way too far. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. Nope, that's humans. Okay, so Jennifer, Jennifer and I, we, uh, here's what this looks like. When Jennifer and I have jobs, we work. And when we work, 10% of whatever we make comes back to the church. And it comes first. So if, you know, if Jennifer and I make uh, $100, $10 comes to the church and $90 is ours. The very first tenth belongs to the Lord. When Jennifer and I retire, whatever we've put into our retirement account, uh, when we take money out of that account, 10% will go to the church and we get 90% of it. When we get our social security checks, okay, uh, if, if those come, 10% of whatever's there, whatever's there will belong to the Lord. When our parents go to be with the Lord, and let's say they, my parents die and they leave um, my siblings you know, five grand and Jennifer and I, a hundred grand, like when that happens. And when they do that, um, you, and they, let's say they leave a hundred grand. The first thing we are going to do with that money is we're going to write a $10,000 check to the local church here at the crossing. And then we get to buy a boat with the 90, like we can do something with the 90 is cool. All right. Uh, if we had, uh, if we sold our house for a profit, um, if we were not going to buy another house or if we were, you know, we had a different house, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't tithe to, to, to that. Because if we're rolling it into another property, we're not, that's not an increase for us. We're just moving into a different house. But when we get out of houses and we're like, we're not living in houses anymore, 10% of whatever we're worth, that goes to be with the Lord. If Jennifer and I had side hustles, you know what I mean? Like if people were going, Clayton, would you help me pick out clothes every week. Like if that was my side hustle and you called me up and you paid me $100 and I came over and helped you put together really fly outfits, okay? Yeah, if it's not much of a side hustle, you're like, no. Okay, uh, so just so you know, every single Thursday I FaceTime my wife to figure out what I'm allowed to wear in public and for, for the sermon for the weekend. And I wear this on Thursday and on Sunday so that way we don't burn through too many outfits. And I always go for, I have these baby blue pants and this pink sweater. You've never seen me in it because I keep losing the battle. Because I'm like, she's like, no, you can't look like a fat Easter egg. You gotta, so <laughs> earth tones it is, <laughs> okay? So that's my business. I have a side hustle. And she, and I, you guys pay me $100 to come over to your house uh, for, to pick out your clothes because you're, you're a blind person. And I pick out your clothes for you. And uh, you give me $100, uh, 10% goes to the local church, and 90% of that is mine. And when Jennifer and I go to be with the Lord, like uh, one day we're, we can't wait to go to heaven, but we're not trying to get there any faster than God has in store for us, 
when we go to be with the Lord, 10% of what we have left over will go to be with the Lord. And it's not just something we do when we die, it's something we do while we live. That's kind of his, his plan for people. And for us, Jennifer and I, one of the things that's a heavy burden on our heart is I've wanted to start a, uh, a, a, an endowment here at the church so that way when I go on, that the money that I leave behind will w- do the work of the Lord until the return of the Lord without ever touching the principal. If Jennifer and I were to win the lottery, right, and we were to win a billion dollars, and that would be helpful because Jennifer and I have a long-term giving goal. And I don't know how we're going to get there without winning the lottery, but we don't play the lottery. So God's going to have to do some cool work there. But if, if we were to get, a, you know, 10% would go to the Lord. That's what tithing looks like. Um, second reason. I believe that the early church modeled it. That the people closest to Jesus started to live like this. And they go way beyond tithing. They go into an area that I would call radical generosity. Look what it says in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, that's what we talked about last week, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled in awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Some of you might be tempted to go, well, tithing was an Old Testament thing under the law. Then the Holy Spirit came down, so we're kind of in a different uh, operation or space now. I, I, I can understand that argument, but here's where I would wrestle with you a little bit, is it appears to me that every time Jesus is talking in the New Testament, he is raising the bar, raising the bar over the law. Like there's a way that we, people were supposed to behave under the law, but there's a different way that people behave under grace. It's Jesus who says, hey, um, you've heard it said, he's talking about the law, you've heard it said, don't murder. But I tell you, anyone who is angry, he raises the bar. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. You know, don't sleep with people that aren't your spouse. But I tell you, if you look at anyone lustfully, he raises the bar. So if you're going to say, hey, I don't think that God wants us to tithe, okay, that would be fine. Then he, I think you'd have to at least admit then he's asking you to raise the bar. Uh, Third reason why Jennifer and I give, I believe that my heart needs it. My heart is prone to wander. My heart is prone to go selfish. I mean, I want to do things for God, and I want to be a part of the mission of God, but left unchecked, my heart will eventually turn in on itself. And look what happens in Matthew chapter 6. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus knows something about you and me. 
that our uh, heart tends to follow our treasure. So if you direct your treasure, your heart will follow. That's why for Jennifer and I, you know, most of you probably don't need to do this, but for Jennifer and I, like we have a, we try to deliberately direct our heart. So like on top of tithing, what Jennifer and I do is we have a, a, a bank account or a, a account at the bank. It's called our generosity fund. And we pick a percentage every year of our total income above the tithe that's going to go into the generosity fund. So that way when something comes up in the church or an opportunity arises, we have already pre-planned uh, our generosity. Because you know you've been there where someone comes up and you're like, oh, that's really good. Wish I, oh, ugh, wish I could. What Jennifer and I wanted to do is we wanted to pre-plan to be able to be generous. And part of the reason why we're doing that is we want an opportunity to not only be generous, but to direct our heart. If I were to describe it this way, there's giving. This is when you just decide you're going to give an amount to God from time to time, okay? Then there's tithing. This is where you decide, you know what, I'm going to give 10%. I'm going to do what God calls me to do. Then generosity begins after the tithe is taken care of. So if I want to be a generous person, I have to navigate tithing first so I can become generous. Now, uh, that's why when camp scholarships come up or when Jacksonville In Your Corner events take place or cool ministry moments happen. Men, you've been around where your wife just looks at you and she just gives you the nod like you need to, you need to handle that. So that way when those things happen, we're already in a position to be able to help out. The cool thing is the tithe belongs to the Lord, but our offerings, our generosity is something that we get to direct and participate in. Number four, reason why Jennifer and I give, I believe that my faith is strengthened by it. Faith is a muscle that has to be exercised. And there is a big difference between first fruits and last fruits. First fruits is, I believe that I'm gonna give the 10% to God first and that he's gonna take care of the rest. Last fruits is, God, I wanna give to you, but I gotta navigate my Netflix and my Hulu first. And then if there's something left over, I'm definitely sending it your way. The problem is one is uh, stepping out in faith and one is a lack of faith because, you, well, you've been there before. Oftentimes, if God's last, God doesn't get our best and God doesn't get what he asked us to. Here's what I've noticed in my life. That when I give to him first, he takes care of the rest. God blesses obedience. God does not bless disobedience. So if I want to put God, well, let me just show you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You have to sow before you can have a harvest. Uh, each of you should give whatever you have decided in your heart to give. You don't have to come up to me and ask me. It's what's in your heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? God loves a cheerful giver. I'm excited to do this. I'm excited to have my faith strengthened. I'm excited to direct my heart. He loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having 
all that you need, you will abound in every good work. There's a pretty strong promise inside of this, that if you trust God with your first fruits, um, he will take care of you, and that strengthens your faith. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it this way, and I'm actually going to say it in this point and the next point. What you find out is, is people who are like, uh, who are givers, they would, they would back me up on this, that they would believe this statement, that it is better to live on 90% with God in the equation than to live on 100% with him out of the equation. Second, there's another reason. I believe that God blesses it. That's another reason why Jennifer and I give. Second Corinthians says uh, this. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Solomon, wisest man ever born, says this in Proverbs chapter three. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the, everybody say that word. Yeah, it's a compound word, but we got it. First fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Those of us who have trusted God in the area of tithing believe that 90% with God is a better financial strategy than 100% without him. Reason number six, why Jennifer and I give, I believe that love requires it. You can give without loving. April 15th, right? You can give you can give without loving. April 15th, government puts a gun to your head, says pay your taxes. And I know there are some of you out there like, no, 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 man. <laughs> no, not me. I bleed red, white, and blue. Okay, come here. I mean, for all the people, who, and I'm, I'm, I'm a big America guy too, love it. And you've got like a big flag in your and all that. But I've never heard this story. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. April 20th, I was thinking, you know what, honey? We should have given more money in taxes this year. I was at that sporting event. Oh, they were singing the national anthem. And I was like, we should have given like way more taxes this year. Because I love this country so much. Never heard that story. I don't care how much of a farmer you are and how much you love American soil. There's a farmer looking out for a way to write off a pickup truck so he doesn't have to pay taxes, okay? Now, now listen, 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 listen. Handle your taxes with, with integrity, with honor, but I've just never met someone who's just looking to give the government more. The government's never stopped you. You can write a check for as much as you wanted over your taxes. It's when you write it for under what you owe that they got a problem. So as much as you love the government, you're not trying to give it more. But you'd be hard-pressed to find a stingy grandma, right? Like stingy moms exist. They exist, but not stingy grandmas. I remember when Jennifer and I were raising Kennedy, and she'd like ask for an iPad. And we'd be like, no, we can't, we can't do that for you. She's like, that's okay, I'll just call Grandma Pam. <laughs> like, well, tell Grandma Pam there's a light bill that needs paid so we can plug the iPad in, would you? Right? 
You're just, that's just, when you, when you love, you can't help but give. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You know this verse, whether this is your first time or your 100th time. John 3, 16. For God so the world that he, yeah. You get it. You can't love and not give. And Jennifer and I, we love this church and we love God and the natural expression of love is giving. In light of a blood-stained cross, how could Jennifer and I do anything less? We give to all sorts of things that we love. We love our friends, we love our family, we love our kids. Uh, we give to stores because we love to eat. We give to other stores because I don't love being naked in front of people. Like there's all kinds of things that we love. Number seven, I believe that people's lives are changed because of it. That's the seventh reason why Jennifer and I give. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter nine. This service of giving that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel. He's saying you are putting your, you are putting your money where your mouth is. It is showing up that you believe God, you trust God, and you want to be obedient to God. And other people are going to start thanking God for your obedience and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. I cannot get over the amount of life change that happens every single week at the crossing. It would be a part-time job just keeping up with all the stories and all of the emails. And I know that in a church of our size, there's people who are thinking all kinds of things, and I just want you to hear me say this. One, um, I can promise you that Jennifer and I will always be first in on anything we do here at the crossing. Whether it's giving during the weekend service, whether it's participating in scholarships for camp, or whether it's being a part of an initiative, we want to be in your corner with our generosity. We want to be in your corner creating a space and going on mission to help this be the hardest place on planet Earth to get the hell from. We want this for your friends and we want this for your family. We will be the first in. I also want you to know that, I mean, there's a whole other list. I could probably go to 25 reasons why Jennifer and I live this out in our life and why so many people around us do the same thing. And I want to tell you this. Today, every single one of you can take a step you could start going by going, you know what, I'm going to give for the very first time, or I'm going to start giving regularly. Some of you are going to go, you know what, it's time for us to take a big step and to actually start trusting God and honoring God with the tithe. Some of you might be interested in going, you know what, tell me more about this legacy project. That sounds exciting. Others of you might be going, you know what, we're going to start giving above the tithe, and we're going to set up our own generosity fund. Here's what I know, is that every single time somebody takes a step, we make this place, this region right here, just a little bit harder to get the hell from. And I hope you'll join me in that mission. We're moving to a time of decision. Uh, this stuff is tough because I know that right now there are some of you who are going, man, that was fantastic. Man, I wish we'd talk about it more. And there are others of you who are going, uh, all this church cares about. And that stuff breaks my heart 
That's actually the fear I have when I preach on messages like this because if it was just a bunch of Christians in here, like I could say things that are just so true to the core of, of who I am and how deeply I believe in what I just talked to you about. But to go, you know, full, fully down that road, I know that there'll be other people who are going, really? I mean, this is, like, I just brought my friend. And I need you to hear me say this. If you're brand new to faith and you've never started a relationship with Jesus Christ, that is the step that's in front of you. Is the first thing he wants you to give to him is you. And the reason why the rest of us give is to join God in this mission and to be obedient to him and what he's called us to do and to make a space for you. So that way you could hear these words right now, that you can begin today an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So that you could hear these words. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And there's some of you who are going, yeah, I know that verse. I've heard it. I've heard it. I've heard it. But listen, there's a big difference. There's a big difference between knowing a verse and experiencing a verse. Recently, this past December, December 7th, uh, we had a staff Christmas party, and one of the staff members, her husband, just bought the new Ford Lightning, all electric. And um, he's, he said, do you want to take it for a drive? And I've, I know that they're fast. I've heard about it, read about it. And he said, do you want to take it for a drive? <laughs> I was like, do you have insurance? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, then let's go, right? Uh, and I think what he was wanting was for me to get out on the highway before I lit it up. But downtown Quincy, cars everywhere, pedestrians. Let's go. All four tires start chirping. Vision gets blurry. It was special. Uh, there's a big difference between knowing how fast it is and experiencing how fast it is. I could talk to you right now about the, the beauty of a sous vide steak. You put it in that water bath, you let it cook to the perfect temperature, and then you just sear it for a little bit. And you could read about it. And you, I mean, I had a person after service, that was the decision that they made for Christ today as they were going home to buy a machine to sous vide their steaks. I mean, God bless them, okay? It was special mother. That was all they got out of the sermon, but, you know, we'll take it. Um, and... And I could talk to you about how good of a steak that that makes. And you could read about it, but there's a difference when I cut it open and it's just perfect on the inside and you get to taste it. There's a big difference between you knowing that verse and experiencing the love of Jesus in your heart. And the reason why so many of us are on this mission is we want you to be able to start that. And if you have questions about what that looks like or what it means to be in relationship with Jesus Christ, in just a few moments, when everybody else around you stands, you can go right over there to the baptistry, and somebody would love a chance to talk to you about what that looks like. To the rest of you in the room who are already trusting God with your salvation, you've already made him your savior. I want you to hear me say this. He is just as good of a Lord as he is a savior. If you can trust him as your savior, you can trust him as your Lord. He is just as good of a Lord as he is a savior. And every single one of us needs to go on this journey of starting to trust him and making this place the hardest place on planet earth to get to hell from. And I don't know how to do the invitation time. Like what do I, what do I say? Hey guys, if you're, a, if you're a tither, would you just come up here to the steps and pray? 
There'll be some of you back, oh, we're going forward, babe. We're going. We ain't sitting this week, okay? But there's some liars at the steps. Okay, listen. Listen, here's my heart, okay? If you really are, if you're a person who's trusting God with your finances, I am asking you to come up here, get down on your knees, and just pray for people who are getting ready to take a step that you took a long time ago, and you remember what that step was like. I'm also going to encourage you to pray, uh, come up to the steps and get down on your knees, or, or maybe if you want, you guys can do it. This is for everybody. You can do it back where you're at. But some of you are going, man, we're getting ready to take a step, and it's a scary step, and God, I'm going to need your help, and I'm going to need your strength. Some of you, you just had a rough week, or you're navigating a tough time with your kids, and you're going through a different, difficult circumstance in your marriage. Would you get down on your knees and pray too? The whole purpose of our invitation time is for every single person to get closer to Jesus. So would you do that? Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, you know what kind of work needs to get done. You know what's going on in our hearts. God, you also know what kind of seeds have been sown in our hearts and our ears. And God, I pray that you would deal with those. That God, you would let the birds take away the seeds that you don't want planted, but God, that you would protect the ones that you do want planted. God, that you would help every person in here take a step today whether that's on a generosity journey with you as their Lord or it's as a salvation journey with you as their Savior. God, move every person closer to you. In your name I pray, amen.